As you're turning to the first chapter of the book of Acts, I'm going to apologize in advance if I have to cough and clear my throat. But you can thank our dear friend COVID. And uh, it has gotten better. Thank God for that. Amen. This morning I am going to bring to you a message that does focus on the Christmas story, but uh, I think probably perhaps in a little different way. And my text reading this morning is not going to be the Christmas story. Uh, it's going to be uh, out of the first chapter of the book of Acts. And uh, I'm going to begin reading at verse 1, and I'm going to read through verse 11. It tells us, the former treatise have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up after that he had, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse 6, when they therefore were come together... They ask of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto, both, unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Amen. Amen. This morning I want to minister to you on this thought. He will be back. He'll be It's already been mentioned, and it's no secret to any of us here today, that 2020 has been an extraordinary year in capital letters. My wife, the other day, came. She's, most of you know, she's crafty, and she came to me with an ornament that she had made, and on the ornament, I think it was an outline of a star, and on the face of the ornament, it had... 2020 on it, but the zero, the two zeros in 2020, one of them was in the shape of a mask, and the other one was in the shape of a roll of toilet paper. <laughs> and uh, she brought it to me and says, what do you think? And I said, well, that's, that's pretty good, but I'm not sure I want to remember 2020. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to hang an ornament on the tree that reminds me of the things that we have been through this year. I have reflected over the past several months of what is going on and how it is related to the church, to people's walk with God. And uh, it, it's, again, it's, it's been different. I remember, and I go back to when 9-11 took place, I remember what the after effects of 9-11 was. I still vividly remember the first church service after 9-11. It was at a youth rally at the Middletown, Ohio church. 
And it's a church that probably comfortably will seat 250, 300 people. And at that particular service, that first service that people had an opportunity to attend after 9-11, it was packed. There was, the balcony was full. We put, they put chairs out into the aisleway for people to sit in. And I'm still, if my memory serves me correctly, it was still not enough seating for the people that showed up for that service that night. There was a a, a much more intense worship service that took place. And before the preacher could even get up and preach, a, a move of God broke out in that service and people began to receive the Holy Ghost in their pews. In that service. And I was in awe of what had happened. I was in awe of what the effect of 9-11 and what it had upon that church service that night. And I've reflected now that we are going, we are in the midst of this pandemic. And I've reflected upon the effects upon the church and upon the people who attend our churches and how uh, the, the, what, the, what their response has been in comparison to 9-11. And it's been a very different response, I have to tell you. Um, I, I watch services, other, other church services amongst our fellowship online during the week. A lot of times when I'm driving, I'm out driving from job to, to job site and I have time to, I don't, I just, I've, I've quit listening to secular radio, so now I will take my phone, I will pull up uh, either Holy Ghost Radio, or I will pull up some particular church that I know that live streamed their service today, and I will let it play over the speaker of the truck and listen to the service and listen to the preaching. And as I have listen to some of the ministers who have been ministering over the past several months, and even uh, churches that I am, am, am have knowledge of, uh, or I, I know people, I have acquaintances that attend uh, other uh, UPC churches and even ALJC churches. Um, there seems to be uh, a, a, a common effect that our churches have experienced over the last several months, and that is that there have been people who have made the choice to walk away from the church. And I have to tell you that I somewhat have a difficult time understanding that. I have a difficult time of fathoming, fathoming, fathoming how that an individual who one, at one time regularly attended church and then decide to walk away and not look back. I'm not talking about people that are staying home out of caution. And they're watching the service online, perhaps, and they still will make sure that they support the church financially and get their uh, financial contributions. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people who have made the choice to walk away under the guise of COVID-19 and never have any more contact with the church or with the pastor. We're hearing that some churches, some churches have had a significant number of people that have walked away, and uh, it seems to be my observation that it's probably about an average of about 20 to 30 percent for most congregations. That's hard to fathom. But we are, I believe we are living in the end time. I don't think you have to look for the end time. I believe you're living in the end time. If you know your Bible, you know that end time prophecy in the scripture tells us that things like this is going to happen. We read how that there is going to be a one world government. We read how that there is going to be a mark of the beast. We read how that there is going to be a 
a one-world money system. And it should not be a surprise to anybody that knows the Scripture. Matthew chapter 24, we find there where Jesus, uh, he, he, is, he, he foretells the destruction of the temple to his disciples. And when they kind of get off to the side with Jesus and they're, 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 where they can privately have a discussion with Jesus, they begin to uh, uh, ask of him questions about the statement that he made. And they ask him, they said, well, would you tell us? When shall these things be, and what, what shall be the sign of thy coming and of, and of the end of the world? And his first response is this. He doesn't launch into beginning to describe to them what the end time's going to look like. He begins by saying, take heed that no man deceive you. That was the important factor. Take heed that nobody deceives you. He begins to explain from there that there's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. There's going to be anybody, uh, uh, you listen to your news lately, and, 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 you, and have you heard what's going on in our world? Famines. He said there's going to be famines. He said there's going to be pestilences. And when you look up pestilences, that does, that translation of that uh, from the Greek, that does include plagues, earthquakes in diverse places. And then he says, all of these are the beginning of sorrows. This is the beginning of sorrows, he says. And that Greek, the Greek translation of that word sorrows, the, the meaning of that is a pang or a throw, especially of childbirth, travail. It's going to be the beginning of experiencing those things. And Jesus doesn't stop there. And I believe I've got on the screen uh, this next set of verses that I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 24. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. I think we're seeing that. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. I think that right there points to why some people found it so easy to walk away from the church and God. Verse 21, and then shall be great tribulations, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. Verse 27, for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus prophesies his second coming. Amen. So it's Christmas. And it's a time that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. So many times that during the time of celebration, you get your little nativity set out, maybe in your home, and you set it up on a table or some someplace where maybe you put it on display in your home or Maybe out in your front yard, you put the nativity set up as you begin your annual celebration of Christmas. You focus, it seems like our focus is on the babe, rightfully so, but the focus is on the baby in the manger, the baby that was born in a barn. The wise men, the shepherds, that angelic announcement that was made to them. It is a great and miraculous story. I do not discount the greatness of the story. But let me tell you this morning that the Christmas story is bigger than just a manger scene. 
Amen. It's bigger than just the nativity set that we sometimes focus on as Christians in our time of celebrating Christmas. But I ask you this morning for a few moments with me to focus on the bigger picture of Christmas. Focus on what Christmas really means because the Christmas story, it points toward an eternal advent that is to come. Christmas is a great advent. Thank God for Christmas. Thank God that God robed himself in flesh and he came down and walked amongst humanity. But that's not the end of the story. Amen. It is not the end of the story. Prophets prophesied of a coming Savior. And again, if we can put it up on the screen, I've got some scripture. We've already heard from the trivia of how that Isaiah was one of the key uh, uh, prophets who prophesied that there was going to be a Savior born. And we read in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, For unto us... A child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. In verse 7, the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Amen. This was a prophecy that was given to us in the Old Testament by the prophet Isaiah that there was going to be a Savior born. That last sentence there <clears throat> in verse 7, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Some translations tell us, or some, some of them uh, write it like this. It says that the Lord was determined to make this happen. And I think those are very fitting. That's a very fitting translation because I do believe God was going to make, he was determined to make it happen. Amen. Prophets over the time, from the time that those prophecies were given, prophets would look at those, those prophecies that were given that prophesied of a coming Savior. They would study it. They, they, no doubt they, they poured over it. No doubt they pondered it. No doubt uh, they tried to fit the pieces of the puzzle together, so to speak, and to try and to figure it out. How is this going to happen? When is it going to happen? Who is it going to be? Because I believe they believed in the word of the prophecy that was spoken and that was given. Amen. How do I... How can I make that statement? I'll tell you how I make that statement. Because when you go into and you read the Christmas story and as recorded in Matthew and, in the, and, and by Luke in, the, in his gospel, you will find where that when Herod, when there begin to, uh, uh, questions begin to be asked, and I think Herod was one of those who was asking, well, where is this Savior going to, where can we find him? And, and the answer was Bethlehem. Because that is the city that was spoken by the prophets. That tells me they were looking. That tells me they were believing. They were trusting in the prophecies that were given. And so those prophets and those scribes, I believe that they, they held to that, they clung to that prophecy. But can I tell you that even after the last prophecy of Malachi... There was a long period of silence. 400 years. What kind of silence am I talking about? I'm talking about 400 years of not hearing from God. 
Let me frame that for you. Let, let, me, let me put that 400 years into context for you this morning. December 20th, 2020. Today's date. 400 years ago, December 20th, 1620. 1620, it was the year that the Mayflower arrived in New England. Our nation was not even born, so to speak, yet. 400 years, this past July, we celebrated our 244th year of the Declaration of Independence. To get to 400, we still got 156 more years to celebrate that Declaration of Independence. 400 years of silence after Malachi's final prophecy, nothing was heard from God. During that 400 years, it was not peace on earth. They had trouble. They had problems. And they still had their tyrants, and they still had their good guys and their bad guys, and we could just go on down the list. Alexander the Great, he was born in that 400-year period. We know him as that military genius, some call him, who conquered many countries. The world was just as chaotic then as it is today. History paints a picture of that period of time of hopelessness and despair. But in the midst of it all, can I tell you this morning, there came a point in time when God said, it's time. It's time. It's time. And God began to fulfill what he had spoken through the mouth and through the writings of his prophets. Something began to happen in the spirit realm. We read in the Gospel of Luke, Zacharias, he was tending about his duties in the temple worship. And as he was tending his duties... He notices an angel. He received an, a visit from Gabriel. And Gabriel says to Zacharias, he says, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. So the angel was there to announce to Zacharias, they were going to be the parents of the man that we know in the scripture as John the Baptist. Fulfillment, can I tell you, of Isaiah and Malachi's prophecy. Fulfilled. It was spoken by those prophets, this is going to happen, that there would be one born that would come on the scene that we would know as John the Baptist. And I'm just paraphrasing it. And now we have an angel delivering the promise that a son would be born to Zacharias and Elizabeth. The Gospel of Matthew, we find that Matthew records what took place with Joseph. He receives an angelic visit in a dream. And that angel tells Joseph, likewise, fear not, don't be afraid. That which is conceived in her, speaking of Mary, is of the Holy Ghost. You go to the book of Luke, and the gospel of Luke, and Luke is a little bit more detailed in his writings. And Luke, he records that Mary receives a visit from an angel, Gabriel. Oh, Gabe, he was busy. 
Gabe, I got a, I can just see, you know, God, hey, Gabe, come here, I got a message for you. I need you to take a message down there to Zacharias. Uh, I, I need you to visit Joseph in a dream. And hey, wait a minute, I, you gotta, after that, you got to go visit Mary. I need you to go visit Mary. I got a message for Mary. So Mary, she receives a visit from Gabriel. Fear not, thou hast found favor with God, Mary. As once again, as prophesied, it was announced to Joseph and Mary that God was going to come in flesh. Prophesied by Isaiah, as we've already read, unto us a child is born. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then when we read, of the, read in the Gospel of John, John begins the very first chapter by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And when you drop down to verse 14, he really sums it up really nicely when he says, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Prophecy fulfilled once again. Amen. Oh, we had the prophecy that would tell us that he would come, that he would tabernacle, that he would dwell amongst his people. Mary gives birth. She wraps him in swaddling clothes. Again, Isaiah's prophecy fulfilled. For the person that might question the authenticity of this book, I would submit to that person that all they have to do is just take a walk through the pages of that book and read through the prophecies that were spoken in the days of old and read of how that those prophecies have come to pass and they have been fulfilled, fulfilled and it will authenticate the word of God. Amen. Just as it was prophesied that he would come, just as it was prophesied that he would be born of a virgin, can I tell you this morning, or this, probably this point this afternoon, He's coming again. This same Jesus, which was taken up into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go up into heaven. That was, that is a prophecy. He's coming back. The angels spoke it. They stood there in disbelief of what just, what just happened as they watched Jesus Christ ascend back up into the heavens. And, and in, in their moment of shock, two men in white, angels, come. Why stand you here gazing? This same Jesus that you just saw leave, he's coming again in the same manner. Yeah, there's been scoffers. There's been naysayers since the beginning of time. Some will rationalize it. Some will philosophize, philosophize it. They'll put their spin on it. Some people say, I've heard that for 100 years. Even though they're not 100 years old. Cancel culture that we are experiencing in this, in, in, in this generation will try to rub it out. But you just mark it down in your book. He's coming back. He'll be back again. And if there's ever a time that the church of the living God needs to be diligent in looking and watching and waiting, it's now. 
It's this day. It's, it's not next year. It's not 10, 20 years down the road that you've got to just <clears throat> coast along and, and, and just say, I'm okay till we get a little bit further down the road. You need to be diligent now. You need to serve him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength if you want to be ready to meet him when he comes to call his church out. Amen. I don't know the day or the hour, and nobody knows the day or the hour. I remember when I was pastoring, it was when all the buzz was about Harold Camping's prediction of when Jesus Christ was going to return. And I got up that week or whenever it was, and I preached a message titled, I'll Tell You When Jesus Isn't Coming. Because no man knows the day or the hour. 88 Reasons in 1988, the book, 88 Reasons Why He Was Coming Back in 1988. Come and went, it's gone. No man knows the day. You just need to be ready. That's what matters. That's what counts. You need to be looking. You need to be watching. You need to be waiting. Back in this, when this pandemic thing, when it started really taking hold, and I think probably back somewhere around April or May, and, 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 and we didn't know what was really to expect and everything that was going on. And uh, I, I remember one night, and I shared it with my wife when, when, uh, that next day, but I remember waking up one morning and I said, you know, you, have you ever had one of those mornings where you wake up and you realize you know you've had a dream, but you cannot explain it. You cannot describe it. You, you can't really uh, uh, put to words what it was that you dreamed. And, and I told her, I said, I had one of those nights where I dreamed something that I just can't describe, but the only thing that I could remember from that dream that next morning as I woke up was the words, watch and pray. That's all I could remember. If there's ever a day and an hour that the church and the people of God need to be looking and watching and waiting, it's now. Amen. You need to have, you, 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 there needs to be a diligence in your soul. There needs to be a diligence down in your spirit. To, amen. That says, I'm going to serve the Lord with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to be found watching, waiting. Amen. I want to be found looking for his appearing. Just as sure as it was prophesied that there would be the birth of a Savior, I'm telling you this morning that the prophecy of His return, it shall be fulfilled. Amen. Just as sure as I'm standing here this morning, the prophecy that prophesies His second coming, it will come to pass. It will happen. All you need to do is get ready. All you need to do is look and watch for His appearing. Amen. When God says it's time, friend, it's going to happen. You just mark it down. You just get ready. When God says it's time, it'll be time. Noah, I'll take you, I'll point you back to Noah. When Noah, when he told Noah to build an ark, he said, judgment's coming, Noah. Start building. When God says it's time, Something's going to happen. Amen. When God said it was time, back there in Noah's day, animals began marching to the ark. When God said it's time, rain that they had never seen before began to fall. When God said it's time, the door to that ark shut. You mark it down in your book. When God says it's time, He'll be back. I'm telling you, he's coming back for a church who has made themselves ready. He's coming back for a church 
who is washed in the blood of the Lamb, who has the wedding garment adorned in that wedding garment, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Who's looking for His soon and coming appearing. Oh, hallelujah. It's going to happen. As I'm closing, I don't know if there's any music that wants to come and play in closing here, but as Mary, as that angel spoke those words to Mary, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, Mary. You're going to bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. The fullness of time came to Mary, and the final fullness of time, I'm here to tell you this morning, there is a fullness, final fullness of time that is going to come to this world. Scripture tells us that the trump of God is going to sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. And then the word, the Apostle Paul gave us those words, and he ends it by saying, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Jesus, going back to Matthew chapter 24, what we read there out of Matthew chapter 24, Jesus, he tells his disciples, he says, therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. going to be a lot of people that are caught unaware. People who have neglected their so great salvation. People who have walked away from the church. People who have just not made any effort to live for God. But he's telling us, keep looking, keep watching. You may not know the season, you may not know the day or the hour, but I'm going to tell you, we can know the season. We can look about us, we can see what's going on in the world, and we can know that we're living in the end time. It is the season of the end time. Signs in the sun, signs in the moon, signs in the stars, distress of nations, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing for fear. Then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And then he says, when you see these things come to pass, look up, lift up your heads, your redemption draweth nigh. It's going to happen. We are living in the season of his second coming. And he calls, he issues the call that when you are in that season, lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing nigh. Titus chapter 2, verses 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared, and appeared to all men, teaching us that Denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should be, live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. In verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's only those who have watched, only those who are waiting, looking, who will hear the sound of that trumpet. Those who have made themselves ready. Those who are looking for his appearing. Amen. He told, he said, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you unto myself that where I am there, ye may be also. I close with this. He came as a babe, left as the resurrected Christ who had defeated death, hell, and the grave. And he's coming back 
take his people to a prepared place for them to be with him. You mark it down. Prophecy was spoken and prophecy will be fulfilled. In the light of his 
Uh-huh. I was walking the floor and I was praying yesterday. This very song is how I opened my prayer time. Because this is what God has impressed upon my heart today. There's all kinds of things right now, Brother Carl, we could get our eyes on. And everybody has an opinion. If, any, if it's one thing that social media has done, is it, it's made it possible for everybody to worship at the altar of their own opinion. But that's not what the Bible tells us to do. It says we just need to get our eyes upon the Spirit. Amen. If, if you spend more time researching conspiracy theories than you do in prayer, you've got your priority. We just need to keep our eyes on God and trust in Him. And He will be the one that causes us to endure to the end. He'll be the one that strengthens us. Sister Sharon, He's going to be the one that gives us the truth. Let's keep our eyes. 